When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Andrew, you're over here leading a life of crime, talking about (laughs) illegally downloading content, talking about defrauding the hotels out of, you know, thousands of dollars in their power bills. And with the prices I pay, I don't give a fuck. I mean, they took away the daily housekeeping. They owe me something. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Real talk about the debate, the first Republican debate. It is happening Wednesday, August 23rd. That's a good way to describe it, right, Laura? What? Me just going, ugh. Yeah. Like that Trump effect that I. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we agreed to ban that. (laughs) So here's the thing. Uh, My groan was not uh euphoric or uh erotic one it was like i am so exhausted with this shit it feels like it never ends yes we're already kicking off another election cycle the last one hasn't even stopped with all the allegations of election tampering and 2020 being rigged some people are still litigating (laughs) that particular issue so it just feels like it's too soon. Can we delay the election? Oh. I know I know Joe Biden's not getting any younger, so we may need to find a stand-in for him, but <laughs> just give me this one thing, America. Give me a break. So this first debate is Wednesday, so probably the day most people are listening to this podcast, or it will have already happened. Wednesday, August 23rd, 9 p.m. Eastern on a Fox. Confirmed attendees include DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Doug Burgum, Mike Pence, and Chris Christie, who I'm most excited to see on this debate because he's already been very critical of Trump. He's the only one who's happy to speak out against him when it comes to all of his legal trouble right now. Along those same lines, I will be curious to see how hard Mike Pence comes down on Trump, because if there is a time for him to distance himself from all of that, it's probably now. Mm-hmm. But And he has been. Yeah, but like more so, you know, like really kind of um, set himself apart from the bullshit. Not that his hands are clean in anything that happened in the during the Trump administration. But like personally, I feel like if he's truly gunning for, you know, the moderate vote, I agree, it would be wise for him to do that. It makes me wonder with the fact that Trump is still overwhelmingly popular amongst Republican primary voters. It makes me wonder how many moderate Republicans are left. I'm questioning that at this point. Yeah, they do seem to be a thing of the past, don't they? Mm -hmm. Few and far between. So Trump won't be there. He's supposedly giving an interview to Tucker Carlson at the same time or at least the same night. That all said, we will be doing a debates reaction 
variety show Wednesday night after we watch 45 minutes-ish of the debate. I mean, maybe only 20 minutes, depending on how much of it we can withstand. But we will be recording that and then posting it on our Patreon immediately after. So stay tuned for that. If you're a patron, you can get our reactions through that variety show installment by pledging at the $5 level or higher. And speaking of our Patreon, we also will have a new muggle suck in this week's After Dark, and it's going to be a good one. I have dug into my old AOL Instant Messenger chat logs again, and I have unearthed a really good one, I think, in which I try to start getting paid over at MuggleNet, and it doesn't go well. I'll just tell everybody now it's a no, but how did you know who play it? <laughs> we will Pam will play Emerson again. I will play myself as like a 16, 17 year old and Laura will play um the audience reacting to it cuz Laura you're going to be screaming. I think it's some of this yeah. stuff. <laughs> I don't I don't think that I've ever been exposed to this particular piece of prose. So I'm no. so looking forward to it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I didn't read it in advance. I'll try to keep my reactions to a minimum since, you know, I have to play the big bad boss. <laughs> stay in character, Pam. You got to stay in character. Don't break character. I got to uh, channel my, you know, inner mediocre white man with privilege. <laughs> yes. You got to okay. You really you really got to channel the tech bro energy in the way that you talk in your delivery. In a lot of ways, I feel like I was born for this coming from, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. <laughs> well, if we're sued for slander, um, the show will not have a new episode next week. So that's that's how you you'll know we got sued. Hey, isn't satire? Isn't that a f- protected form of speech? It's true. It's true. We are taking a week off next week, though. So I just thought I'd like scare people next week. (laughs) Uh, But Pam, we're also going to talk about a new story actually tied to compensation for minors, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. It all kind of feeds into the fact that Illinois has officially signed a law into effect that is geared towards protecting child influencers and the money that they make online. So, you know, Andrew was a child once asking for (laughs) some spare change and it all kind of works out. Exactly. So lots to look forward to in today's installment of After Dark that'll be available on Patreon as part of Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad free with After Dark at the end. Mega Millennial is also available on Apple Podcasts. So let's get into some other topics today. I wanted to actually get a little meta I saw this story, caught my eye. I thought it'd be fun to talk about. Spotify reportedly has a $38 million white noise problem. So white noise podcasts. And don't think about just like traditional white noise. Think about like just peaceful nighttime sounds, a waterfall, something like that. These types of podcasts are actually super popular. I know that when I travel and I can't have a fan constantly running, I have a white noise app to give me like a, a a box fan sound that I just put on my bedside. You know, I, put, I play it from my phone on my bedside. Um, but I hadn't actually realized this. There's White Noise Podcast, too. Makes sense. Super popular, like I said. And Spotify isn't happy about it on their platform. Part of the concern is that their algorithms are directing people to these White Noise Podcasts instead of their instead of Spotify's own White Noise music. And Spotify could be earning $38 million a year if they weren't paying advertising revenue to white noise podcasts. 
Bloomberg says, once Spotify realized how much attention was going to white noise podcasts, oops, the company considered removing these shows from the talk feed and prohibiting future uploads. So just like banning new white noise podcasts while redirecting the audience towards comparable programming that was more economical for Spotify and doing so. According to the document Bloomberg saw would boost Spotify's annual gross profit by $38 million. So changing the algorithm to direct people to the ones that uh, are cheaper for them to distribute would save them that 38, earn them that $38 million a year. But I also saw this, and this was interesting. I don't know, Pam, if you have any thoughts here being our uh, resident music junkie. Spotify's challenge with white noise podcast mirrors a similar conversation happening in the music world. Universal Music Group CEO Lucian Grange and Warner Music CEO Robert Kinzel have both voiced their displeasure at the fact that songs filled with noise are paid out of the same royalty pool shared by their superstars. So the biggest names in music are pulling from the same same pool of money as these white noise podcasts. I mean, that that's an issue with Spotify's business model, right? That's not the fault of the person that uploads this white noise uh, podcast. This this whole situation kind of reminds me of when YouTube tried to shut down the lo-fi girl. Do you guys remember this? There's like a lo-fi music girl channel that would consistently get like upwards of you know, two million, two million, three million views at a time. And it was just like a channel that was always live, very minimal ads, because sometimes when people want to focus or if they want to like just have some background noise to go to sleep, they're going to gravitate towards something that doesn't have any ads. Similar to Andrew, like I don't have an app, but if I'm traveling, I'll just look up an ad free eight hour gentle rain sounds video on YouTube. And that's what I have on in the background. So I, I think that like therein lies the issue, right? Spotify wants to monopolize this and probably insert some ads. But mm-hmm. what the people really want is like uninterrupted white noise. It's right. difficult yeah, to it's, like it's a podcast, right? Like you don't hear an ad in the middle of a song. And if you pay for right. Spotify premium, you don't hear ads in the middle of your music. But with a podcast model, you do still hear ads unless you pay for something like our show, like we do ad-free versions on Patreon. Wink. So here's here's another tidbit that really surprised me, though. And this is one of those, you know, I'm always thinking of ways like new business opportunities. I, that's one of my faults. I can't stop thinking about new ways to make money <laughs> because I'm always looking. Not saying I'm ever successful, but I'm always looking. Um Bloomberg reports that some white noise podcasts are making up to $18,000 per month. Man. What the fuck? We got into the wrong industry. <laughs> That's passive income, too, for these people. Yeah. And they're how how difficult could it be to generate some of these white noise podcasts? You know, you mess with some like I have apps where you mess with the sliders to kind of mm-hmm. make your own white noise. I want more birds. I want more rain. I want more just like wind. There's all kinds of options. That's probably all they're doing. I'm just yeah. so jealous. Or you just set up a box fan in front of a microphone. <laughs> you hang, you like tie some ribbons to the front face of the fan so that when it blows them, they make like a flapping noise. <laughs> I actually have one sitting right here. It's not plugged in. Otherwise, I would turn it on and just like keep it on the remainder of the podcast. <laughs> talk through it the whole time do you ever talk through a box fan you know how silly that sounds yeah Yeah. it's the original auto tune 
or yeah. like vo- vocoder, I should say. <laughs> so yeah, I was just shocked. $18,000 a month for, for creating white noise podcasts. And I decided, okay, how are they monetizing white noise podcasts? So I found one. And of course, I see why this one is popular. They're, they're playing into search engine optimization. The podcast is just called Relaxing White Noise. That's just a keyword. It's, it's, it's the title, but it's just a keyword that because people will be searching for that. And so here's an eight-hour installment. This is the last latest one released actually just today. And so let's just listen to it, and maybe we can add our own spin to it once we get past the ads. But I want to hear the ads. Welcome to the Relaxing White Noise podcast. White noise and nature sounds in eight-hour uninterrupted episodes to help you relax, sleep, study, or soothe a baby. This episode is brought to you by Special K. (laughs) However hectic life gets, the fuel you choose matters. So Special K has made two new irresistible varieties. Special Special K, K eat it while you're trying to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) So let's try to put our own millennial spin on this. Basically create our own millennial themed white noise podcast. Got it. Everything you do, you do for the show. You deserve a little treat. We did it, Joe. I like your voices. Wordle in two. Free Brittany. Yes, we can. My therapist said, Eat the rich. The struggle is real. Get turned. <laughs> One in the pink, two in the stink. <laughs> I'm sorry, fam. Shantae, you stay. I can't even. That was our best attempt. I don't know. <laughs> would you? I guess we can ask the question. Would you listen to this if we put something like this out? You know, we... We are going to be putting out a listener survey in the next month or so. So if you think we should add that as a question, let me know and I will do it. (laughs) And what like affirmations would you like to hear during the white noise? (laughs) What encouraging affirmations can we provide to you? While you sleep. Like at millennial, you matter. There you go. (laughs) So something else I wanted to talk about was... And this broke a couple weeks ago. We've been wanting to get to it. Disney and Hulu are raising their prices again. As of October 12th, Disney Plus Premium, that's the one with no ads, will jump 27%, rising from $10.99 a month to $13.99 a month for U.S. customers. Hulu without ads will increase 20% from $14.99 per month to $17.99 per month. The price for Disney Plus and Hulu standalone ad-supported tiers will remain at $7.99 a month each. And with the bundle bundle of the two still costing $9.99 a month, $9.99. So that one, it seems like they're trying to push everybody to that. $9.99 for Disney Plus and Hulu. You just got to deal with ads, which I think is what I am going to do because I don't watch Disney Plus enough. I definitely don't watch Hulu enough. But you might as well spend the... Um, extra dollar or two to the extra two dollars to add hulu to your disney plus plan that's kind of just like a no-brainer for perspective when disney plus launched in 2019 it was 6.99 a month and i think you know we spoke about it a lot on the show when it launched 
I got in on the three-year program, but then Verizon gave me an extra year so I for free. So I've yet to pay for Disney Plus since that initial sign-up in 2019. And now I don't use it that much. It is nice to have Disney Plus's Disney's library of content all right there. It's wonderful having the whole library. But I don't watch that stuff. It just feels good to have it. <laughs> Yeah, I so I think Laura and I both did that deal, the the three years up front yeah. deal. And that was I mean, it was such a good deal that there was no way we were going to lose, even though when Disney Plus initially launched, they didn't have the Rolodex of um, originals that they do now. Right. But I renewed last year for the year up front, mostly because I just forgot to cancel before the charge came through. Same. And they didn't even really give you very much of a deal. I think it was like $75 for the year or something. It's not much more. It's not much less than $6.99 a month. The only difference is that it was still ad free. So Disney or Bob Iger also did confirm that they are going to crack down on password sharing themselves. So this whole wonderful period we've been enjoying for like 10 years now, where we just share passwords for HBO, Disney, Netflix, it's all coming to an end, which is also very sad. That's that's clearly been one of the nice benefits. So, you know, all these price increases, though, have seriously got me thinking, and this is probably going to disappoint some of our listeners. I'm really tempted to set up a media server at home where I illegally acquire content because I'm so tired of having to pay for so many subscription services and all the price hikes too. It's not just that we're paying for multiple. That's fine. That's life. But it really feels like the prices are going up every one or two years and they're not stopping. There doesn't seem to be resistance yet from consumers. So I'm just ready to start downloading everything myself. Maybe I'll pay for one that I seem to use like a lot. I don't even know which one that is. So I guess that is a good question. If we all were to keep just one streaming app right now, what would it be? I would probably hold on to Max. I feel like I've spent most of my time there lately. A close second to that is Prime Video. Yeah. So the thing with Prime Video is that if you pay for a Prime membership, you're yeah. already getting it. And right. like you, I, I've actually been trying to watch more on there because my frustration, too, is that it seems to me that a lot of the like studios are licensing their shows to multiple streamers now. So sometimes you see the same shows on Prime Video that you see on Hulu, on Max, on Netflix, especially if they're not not newer releases. But if they're older shows, if you're just looking for like a comfort binge and you already pay for Prime shipping, then you would honestly probably be okay just having Prime Video and mm -hmm. adding, yeah. you know, um, networks here and there whenever you like really want to watch something big that's just released. Yeah, I think I'm Team Max too, by the way. That's where I tend to go looking first when I'm looking for something to watch. All the uh, Riley who's listening live right now mentioned all the Discovery content is on there too. And that means HGTV, TLC, T hundreds, food if network. not thousands of a food network, uh, hundreds, if not thousands of unscripted titles. And sometimes it's just great background TV to have on mm. or just like maybe you're working and you want, I, you know, house hunters on in the background. I, I'm a sucker for a lot of those 
home renovation shows. Yeah, nothing shows. bad's going to happen on that show. That's what I watch when I can't go to sleep. <laughs> it's like House Hunters or like, you know, No Demo Reno, something like that. That's your white noise podcast. Well, I, I mean, like I have a white noise machine too, but yes, <laughs> sometimes you need both. You know what? You know what I discovered when I was in Seattle? little aside really quick, speaking of white noise real quick. You know when you go up to the thermostat in the hotel room and like sometimes you can set it to constant fan. So the fan's constantly spinning, you know, so it feels like you're at home if you like that type of white noise. Well, hotels can actually disable that to prevent you from constantly running the fan because it's probably bad for the AC unit, of course, to run it, you know, like 24-7. But if you pop off the cover of the AC unit, you can actually kind of hack it to turn off (laughs) that that setting. And so I found a YouTuber who does a very quick video on how to pop off the cover and then disable it. So I did that. And it was amazing. I felt so accomplished. Andrew, you're over here leading a life of crime, talking (laughs) about illegally downloading content, talking about defrauding the hotels out of, you know, thousands of dollars in their power bills. And with the prices I pay, I don't give a fuck. I mean, they took away the daily housekeeping. They owe me something. And I want the 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 constant fan noise. Man, and that that is some shit that they took away the daily housekeeping. Yeah. It's yep. BS. I was reading how that's actually um been a move that a lot of um like hotel service unions have been pushing back on because it's basically an excuse for the hotel to employ fewer yeah. service people there. Yeah, full-time service people. Right. So they don't have to pay benefits. Yeah. So every time I, I check into a hotel and they're like daily, you know, daily room service or excuse me, daily cleaning um is optional, but you have to request it. I always request it. Yeah. I also think that like they're definitely banking on, you know, the fact that it's been well documented that millennials don't like to be on the phone. So they're probably just thinking that no one's going to call. But I always call at least for extra towels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or some hotels are doing like, we'll we'll clean your room every three days. Oh, but I'm here only two nights. So or we'll clean your room every three nights. Oh, I'm only here two nights. I'm only here. I mean, one night, of course, you wouldn't get your room cleaned anyway. So and I totally understood that during the pandemic. And I don't think anybody Mm -hmm. was against it during COVID. You don't want somebody coming in your room. Um, But now, you know, the hotels discovered, oh, shit, that was actually saving us a lot of money. Let's just see if we can continue getting away with this. Right. So, but Pam, I think something you wanted to bring up too was that uh, what's really frustrating about these price hikes, like where's the money going? Can you can you give us a good reason to pay more? They always say, you know, to maintain our our library and grow our library. Right. I, I, my issue is especially with like all of the strikes happening in Hollywood right now, you never hear about this money trickling down to the people who actually need it cast not maybe not the cast sometimes the cast maybe not principal cast it's like you know the ones that you hear about in the headlines making you know hundreds and thousands of dollars per episode but like um the guest stars the um smaller roles the crew that work tirelessly on set you never hear about these people getting fairly compensated and um honestly like they're already making enough the the thing too about like keeping the catalogs fresh they clearly have enough money to 
champion for their originals to win, um, you know, all of these like prestigious accolades, Emmy Awards, Oscars, all of that takes money. You got to pay a fee to nominate every single title. Most of these um, streaming studios are nominating multiple titles and then going on to do an entire for your consideration press tour. Like, (laughs) I think it's very clear that the money is probably going there. You know, I highly doubt that it's really going to um, cultivating original content or going towards the people that are actually like creating this content. Right. And they keep they they keep increasing the prices and not adding new features and actually taking features away. They keep adjusting the tiers, what you get for what you pay for. You know, with these ad tiers, you can't download content to your device if say you're going on a plane that sucks why not increase the prices and allow oh i don't know two people to use your account simultaneously right. you're gonna be cracking down yeah. it's bullshit like that it's also, bullshit like, like that 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 doesn't make me feel bad for for thinking about setting up a media server netflix specifically like there's a special place in hell for whoever decided to dis- decrease the resolution based on how much money you're shelling in their direction yeah. That's a really shitty move. And honestly, I went from 4K to 1080p. I do not notice a difference at all. Oh, and I'm definitely a video not. Nerd. But I, I think like the it. base price is 720. Definitely, you're going to notice that if you're only streaming on a larger screen. If you're watching on your your laptop, you you'll notice a little bit, but probably not as much. But if you have like a 72 inch television in your living room, you're definitely going to notice. Yeah, I'll just say that. Um... We've been taking stock of all of our streaming services lately, and I am on the precipice of canceling Hulu and Disney Plus just because, one, Hulu, I never use it. I literally use it for only murders in the building. So probably (laughs) I'm going to watch that. I'm going to wait until it's all out. I'm going to binge it, and then I'm going to cancel, and then next year when it comes back, I'm going to do the same thing. Um. With Disney Plus, Disney Plus has actually been really disappointing to me. We got into it because of all the Marvel content that was going to be coming to Disney Plus. And the first couple of shows that they did were really good. We really liked WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, What If. But then after that, the show quality just started petering off. And now it's complete garbage. Um, So I've been disappointed in that. And when the primary reason that you signed up for the service turns out to be bad, but then you've got this, you know, encyclopedia of other Disney properties that you didn't really sign up for in the first place, it really makes you question why you're paying for this. So Disney Plus is definitely on the chopping block. (laughs) Not to mention, Bob Iger said a few weeks ago that they're going to be doing less Marvel content. They admitted they've been doing Mm -hmm. too much. So that that further turns you off. Like, it was they've done a lot. It's not good. And now they're pulling back. And Hulu in particular is um, really getting the shaft with regards to all of these licensing agreements. So they've been paying to license the right to stream a lot of these shows. And now that every network and their mother wants to launch its own streaming platform to make a little bit of extra money. They're trying to make these bigger titles that you might have normally gone to Hulu for um, exclusive only to their platform. So like a really good example of this, 
a personal, a really good personal example, I should say, is that like right now I'm not paying for Netflix because, you know, like they cracked down on password sharing and I just haven't felt compelled to like sign up on my own. But I decided while I've been sick this last week that I was going to get caught up on Station 19, which is a Grey's Anatomy spinoff. You cannot watch any of the crossover Grey's Anatomy episodes for that like happen between these two shows unless they exist within like the most recent season of Grey's Anatomy, which is airing right now or aired last year because all of those are licensed somewhere else. So when it's a two episode story arc that exists across two different shows, you're missing one half of the resolution. And that has been so annoying. That's stupid. It's a bummer to see it go this way. Yeah. It's going to be a pendulum swing, just like everything else. They're going to keep pushing these prices, limiting features and access until they reach a breaking point where it impacts their bottom line too much. And then they're going to start sweetening the pot again to get people back in. And we're just going to go back and forth and back and forth. It's (laughs) fucking annoying. We could compare it to the U.S. election cycle. Honestly, it's just like never Mm -hmm. ending. (laughs) Or we just start touching grass more and and being less into television. You know what I bought last weekend? Hmm. A book, a book, a physical book. I remember those. Uh, (laughs) Fourth Wing. And I I paid full price for it because it was a a local bookstore and I didn't want to. I I like supporting the local bookstores. So spent 30 bucks on this thing and I'm reading it. And it's taking me hours and hours. And I'm very excited. Also, I'm a slow reader, so that's a factor, too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, it's just like maybe this is a good time, too, to think about other forms of entertainment that don't cost a monthly freaking subscription fee. Agreed. (sighs) Everything's expensive, but I don't know. I'm just trying to inspire people. Kind of on that note, we're having our we have a little patio outside and we're actually having it screened in so that we can actually sit on it because you know being in the south especially when it's hot it's like mosquito central so once we have it screened in and we have like a little tin roof on it we're actually going to be able to use it no matter what the weather looks like as long as it's comfortable so I'm hoping to sit out there and just enjoy nature more and probably read some books or even just take my steam deck out there and that just play so some nice. indie game out of the right. Steam store. <laughs> a good old-fashioned one-time fee. Yeah. I have a little patio out here, and I, I love to do that, too. Oh, it's going to be so great. Mm-hmm. Laura sent us pics of uh, the early stages of the... Yeah. I meant to the... ask you if it was going to be screened in because it looked like it. Yeah. That, that makes me love it for you even more. Oh, yeah. That, that was uh, definitely a requirement because, like I said, Mosquito Central in the summer... <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to go hit the street corner to see if I can come up with some extra coin to (laughs) pay for these subscription fees. And we'll be right back. So we're going to get into a couple of stories that I wanted to chat about today. The first one is a story that I like to call Hurricane Hillary and the first tropical storm warning for California in 84 years. So... This was being covered all over the news because I think we've established that mainstream news really likes to lean into the disaster angle of everything that they can. Um, But just for a little bit of a recap, Hurricane Hillary did hit shore in Mexico 
and subsequently downgraded to a tropical storm. So it was a hurricane. (laughs) Um, But then as soon as it hit shore, it downgraded. I will say that it did um, drench Western Mexico and Southern California. And I wanted to do a couple of check-ins here. Pam, I'm going to pretend that I don't understand geography. Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. But I will say that like we, we got some kickback in terms of like really muggy weather up here, which I can only assume is a result of you know, all of this happening off the coast, but definitely like no flooding. Um, and also my family in San Diego is just fine for Good. anyone who's curious. I'm glad to hear it. Chloe is actually saying in the discord that the hurricane was not bad in San Diego and the TV was telling us that the world was ending. Yeah, we yeah. were supposed to get a lot of rain in Vegas, too, and we didn't get as much as expected. That said, we live close to mountains in Vegas, and they got inundated with a lot of rain. Uh, I've been following some coverage, wiped out some some old trees, washed out some roads. I think Joshua Tree, Death Valley got hit pretty hard, too. So some of the more scenic areas, less built up areas were hit. I mean, the mountains I'm talking about kind of operate in a microclimate. So it rains up more. It rains up there more anyway. But then you combine that with the hurricane or the tropical storm. And it was just a bad combination. So unfortunately, there were some areas that got hit bad. But yeah, it seems like a lot of areas that were expecting more did not get as much. And in fairness to the media, you know, I do like to critique the media. These are harder to predict, I think, exactly how much you're going to be getting. So because you don't know unless the. The storm gets downgraded, right? So it was a category four when it was off the coast. And, and of course, it can always change paths, yeah, which, exactly. which is the biggest factor of all. Yeah. And I, I think it's understandable, particularly since hurricane activity out in California is not super common. So there are definitely valid concerns to have about the infrastructure Uh, Are things out west built to withstand hurricane force winds? I would say they're probably prioritizing things withstanding earthquakes out there. Hurricanes are more of an East Coast (laughs) problem, usually. Um, So I I can understand that for sure. Um, But I'm glad to hear, Pam, that you're okay. And I assume, Andrew, that Pat is okay. I saw his uh, stories with the rainbows. That he captured. Yes. And um, he did wash away, but he had a paddleboard with him. So he kind (laughs) of made his way back in time. Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. I thought, Mm -hmm. though, that in light of this, we could talk about um, some 2023 hurricane season predictions because in the Atlantic this year, hurricane season is anticipated to be... uh, Poppin', as the kids would say. So Noah has actually updated the Atlantic 2023 outlook, um, which covers the entire six-month hurricane season that ends on November 30th, starts on June 1st. Um, Their update calls for 14 to 21 named storms. Those are storms with winds of 39 miles per hour or greater, of which 6 to 11 could become full-fledged hurricanes with winds of 74 miles per hour or greater. 
And of those, two to five could become major hurricanes with winds of 111 miles per hour or greater. This is an upgrade for what is a typical hurricane season. And I think because we're talking about the Atlantic here, those of us on the eastern side of the country, whether you're near the Gulf of Mexico or whether you're on the Atlantic Ocean, we need to be prepared <laughs> um, because the shit's coming our way. I was already looking at Noah's um, storm trackers, which actually that's going to be my recommendation for today's show is to look up Noah's hurricane trackers because it's very interesting. There's already a storm forming off the west coast of Africa that has a high confidence of um, turning into a sustained formation in the next 48 hours. And there is already, I think the storm is called Harold hitting Texas <laughs> as we speak. So it's going to be an active hurricane season, at least for the Atlantic. Even for the Pacific, um, NOAA is predicting um, some slightly higher storm activity than normal. A normal season in the Pacific has anywhere from four to five tropical cyclones, whereas this year they're anticipating it could be four to seven. So across the board, it seems like an increase, but I thought that for maybe a little bit of a fun spin on it, we could look at some of the the names for storms this season. Yeah, you said Harold. I mean, that is, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be scared of Harold. Like, what? Can they pick some tougher names? Come on. So what's funny about this is they actually recycle these lists every six years. What? Um, Makes yeah. sense because it goes alphabetically, right? Yes. So the, the names for the season are already predetermined. So, for example, in 2023, we've already had in the Atlantic, Arlene. I can't help but say Arlene with a Southern accent, like Arlene. Arlene. <laughs> shoot that possum before it raids the trash can. <laughs> We've already had Brett and Cindy and Dawn. Dawn. But coming up next, in, uh, <laughs> in, up the next. in the final half of 2023, we could potentially have Emily, Franklin, Gert, Gert. Harold. <laughs> Idalia, Jose, Katia, Lee, Margot, Nigel, Ophelia. There's a Hamlet joke in there somewhere. Philip. Is it Philippe or Philippe? Philippe. <laughs> uh, Rena, Sean, Tammy, Vince, and Whitney. <laughs> um, th the names always crack me up. I will say I appreciate that Noah has moved away from calling, giving all of the storms female sounding names because that used oh. to be what happened mm. but that's it, it's been a change from somewhat is that why they alternate ago. now like boy girl boy girl yeah i'm gonna argue actually that the pacific tropical cyclone season names are better um so we've Ooh. already had a few of these we've already had adrian beatrice calvin dora eugene fernanda greg hillary the most recent but upcoming we could potentially have Irwin, jova Kenneth, Lydia, Max, Norma, Otis. Can you imagine a storm called Otis? That's very <laughs> trendy. Otis. Uh, Pilar, Ramon, Selma, Todd, Veronica, Wiley, Zena, York, and Zelda. 
Oh, okay. That wow. that freaking rocks. I mean, think <laughs> of the memes on the internet for for the Zelda one. I mean, the Hillary ones were very good. People were combining oh, yeah. the path of Hurricane Hillary with the Hillary gifts of her like making those funny faces during oh, the 2016 yeah. campaign. With the balloons falling at the DNC where her yeah. face was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like causing big waves. It was really, really funny. Yeah, that, that shit was very funny. So they should pick more celebrity names and then they, you know, it, they'll all be way more memeable. I know. I guess the we should take them seriously. There. But, yeah. We should take them seriously. But at the same time, you want to raise awareness, right? That's my recommendation right. for Noah. Pick celebrity names. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, any other thoughts or prayers or tips and tricks for the hurricane burdened among us? Have y'all <sighs> ever, have either of y'all ever been in a hurricane or had to flee a hurricane? I'm a California girl. This is uncharted territory okay. for me. What's a hurricane? Like, what even? <laughs> well, like, is that a ride change, at Universal? With climate change, <laughs> they might become a more frequent part of your life, Pam. Well, and and uh, speaking of California, we mentioned earthquakes a few minutes ago. There was actually an earthquake in the middle of the hurricane moving up the coast. Yeah. And people started coining the phrase hurricane. Hurricane and earthquake at the same time. It's like Sharknado, but yeah. Oh my god! So, Pam, you might not just have to get ready for hurricanes, but hurricanes as well. That's the last thing we need. Listen, you already got to worry about the tsunami aftermath of an earthquake. Now you're telling me we got to worry about hurricanes too. It it was pretty wild because you know you get those emergency weather alerts people got the yeah. flash flood warning and the earthquake one were within like 4 hours apart so people screenshotted them coming in on the same day in California it was mm-hmm. a pretty bizarre sight yeah well speaking of heavy flows we have to talk about <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that's incredible oh my god oh my god we have <laughs> andrew's going to hate all of this <laughs> I tried to spare you, Andrew. I tried to say, oh, I may go can... for a bathroom. Should I go for a bathroom break during this? No, like, real quick? no. Oh, okay. I think it's good you for just, you to know. It's good you for you to be educated. You just said you wanted to spare me. Okay. I, all right. All right. I'm I here. think it's I'm good listening. for you to be educated, but you did this to yourself. So uh, <laughs> this story, I've coined it Tampon Gate, the sequel. And this time it has nothing to do with King Charles. Um, so this was such a revelation. And I feel like. It was in front of us the entire time and nobody ever kind of connected the dots. But it was apparently not until the year of our Lord, 2023, that menstrual products absorbency was tested with blood and not water. You heard that correctly. Up until this year, when they were testing the absorbency of pads and tampons, they were doing that with water. Which, for anyone who's had a period, uh, they will know that the two substances have not very much in common (laughs) and would drastically impact the amount that you're advertising your products can absorb. This might explain a few things, right, Pam? (laughs) Oh, 100%. It just proves that we were all being gaslit this entire time. Some of us maybe not feeling like we were normal for going through as many tampons or pads as we were. I think that like one of the nice things about 
the internet being as advanced as it is, and even places like TikTok existing, is that there's just more of an open conversation with regards to like what is an average number of sanitary products that you use on your period that didn't exist when we were growing up, right? So like if you only had friends that went through like maybe only had like a three day period cycle, maybe you didn't realize it was normal to go for like a whole week. Right. Or to like bleed for as long as or for as much as you were. Yeah. Or like if you had some friends who were apparently blessed to be able to only use the light variety of tampon when you were stuck using the plus varieties of tampons because you just bled more. Yeah. it There was a lot of stigma that came with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that stigma is really why it's taken us so long to get here because, yeah, people think periods are icky, including people who have them. The misinformation too, right? Like the idea that like um, needing like a super sized tampon means you have a larger vagina, which is not accurate at all. You know, like a lot of men get confused about that. They're like, does that correlate to like the size down there? It's like, no, that's like it correlates to like how much you're, you know, removing from your body. Right. right. So like it, there's like the size is like, like, yes, it's about size, but not in the way that you're thinking it is. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, is that you could without like getting too graphic here, like You could use something that was allegedly high absorbency and need to change it out, like have it be time to change it out and see that it actually still had portions that had not absorbed anything on it. Because, again, they were testing absorbency with water. Water is going to absorb so much easier (laughs) into cotton than blood. I will say, too, like even even just testing with I haven't read this report, but even if they just tested with blood, it would only be like it would only be so accurate because what what happens when you have a period, if you're somebody that menstruates, is that you're shedding your uterine lining. Right. So part of that is blood, but part of that is not. And like it it responds differently than like if you were to cut your hand. Right. Right. So. A hundred percent. Just to share um, some of the absorbency measures that we've been given and gaslit with over the years, uh, light absorbency tampons boast um, that they can absorb six grams of menstrual blood or less, they add. Uh, regular is from six to nine grams. Super absorbency is nine to 12 and so on and so forth. And there's just no way that anyone is going to bleed that much within that short of a window of time either. So the gaslighting just continues. I mean, everyone's body is different, and I'm happy to be corrected on that. But the way that we were sold these products was basically there are boxes that you fit into, uh, which is a common narrative for women. And if you didn't exactly fit into the boxes of what was being advertised, you felt like there was something wrong with you. I wanted to point out something um, from an article that I actually read out of Glamour UK. 
they quoted that in an editorial, Dr. Paul Blumenthal, who is a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Stanford, highlights the underrepresentation of menstruation-focused research in saying, a PubMed search of menstrual blood resulted in one publication between 1941 and 1950, followed by a steady increase to and plateau of only 400 publications in the last several decades, during which time there were approximately 10,000 publications related to erectile dysfunction. And I think that's really what we're coming up against here. It's the lack of representation and this double standard for what is acceptable to speak about openly. We have commercials for erectile dysfunction and providing a solution for it. But then in period commercials, they're advertising these products with blue water standing in for <laughs> and the like, blood. Women dancing. <laughs> you yeah. barely even see the product. I know. I'm like, I never want to dance when I'm on my period, let alone get out of bed. <laughs> uh, medicine commercials are so funny. It's like 15 seconds of ad and 45 seconds of disclaimer about how you could yeah. die or have suicidal thoughts or all kinds of things if you take right. medicine XYZ. Right. Risks involve bleeding from your eyes, suicidal ideation, and <laughs> uncontrollable shitting. Talk to your doctor. Having the urge to podcast, yeah. wanting to hack open an AC unit, <laughs> illegally pirating content, But yeah, I'll just say congratulations, period havers. We're finally seen in this one small way. (laughs) I've enjoyed sitting back and listening to you two speak about this. I I feel like I'm listening in on Millennial. It's great. Oh, that's great. Do you feel like you have um, a, a better understanding of how periods work now? Yeah, some bits of that were spotty because I was also booking tickets to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Spotty. (laughs) Spotty. uh, Laura's got the jokes. Laura's got the jokes today. When you're asking for some uh, period humor, Laura is on it. (laughs) Listen, I've had one since I was 11 years old, so I've had a lot of time. (laughs) until you got the IUD until I got the yeah to be fair I have not had one for like six years now because I got I just wanted to tell any newer listeners that yeah which is that is a great benefit of getting an IUD is you might not have a period anymore that's not a guarantee Um, I will say the downside of getting an IUD is it hurts like a bitch Mm. they don't provide any pain relief which is Mm -hmm. like Pretty typical experience for women, unfortunately. But I did it because it was right after Trump got elected. And I was like, oh, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck no. And then look what they did to Roe. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still a good move. Still a good move. Yep. You're happy with it. I am. All right. Well, we will talk a little bit about TikTok. They're about to roll out a big new feature, or at least they're testing it, and it's probably coming soon. And we'll talk about that in a moment. We'll be right back. So in lighter news, TikTok is actually getting into the streaming music business, or at least they're trying to. Um, This new feature of theirs is aptly titled TikTok. TikTok music, and it's currently being beta tested in a few different countries. 
initially launched in Brazil and in Indonesia on July 6th, but they quickly expanded its testing market rollout to include Australia, Mexico, and Singapore. So it sounds like they're speeding along behind the scenes, but there's no word yet on when we can or if we can expect this to roll out in the United States. I would assume so, but as we've covered on the show before, the U.S. and TikTok are kind of flatting heads a lot right now. So there might be some more red tape there for them to uh, power through if they want to launch those out here. Um, so the new streaming platform allows subscribers to link their TikTok music accounts to existing TikTok accounts if they have one, which um, you know might be something that would be uh, attractive as a feature if you're, you know, really on that app a lot. Uh, but the idea behind this is that you'll be able to seamlessly listen to, download, and share songs across both platforms. Similar to other subscription-based music streaming platforms like Spotify, you would be able to download songs for offline listening. And then I highlighted a few other features, too, that TikTok music is set to include. So you'll have access to lyrics in real time, which again is something that you can get on a platform like Spotify. But then they'll also let you create collaborative playlists with friends. You can import your own music library. You can find songs via lyric search, which I think is really great. Cool. Sometimes you can only think of a lyric and you can't think of the song. There's also going to be some social features involved as well. TechCrunch did a really good little write-up of what all is included here, and they stated that users will be able to express themselves through comments and connect with other music lovers. So it kind of sounds like they're trying to make this an all-in-one hub. And in addition to that, this is the kicker that, to me makes me curious. Uh, they're also saying that they will offer personalized music recommendations. And I just feel like if their algorithm on TikTok music is anything like it is on TikTok as a platform, they might have a winning recipe here for subscribers because yeah. I love Spotify. I have all of my playlists on Spotify going back like upwards of 10 years, but Spotify does not do a great job with music recommendations and helping you discover new music. In contrast, TikTok on its own is already introducing people to new music. That is where a lot of people are going to discover new music. It's also where major record labels and indie artists are going to like launch new music. And their algorithm is very sophisticated. I feel like my For You page is very catered to the kind of content that I like to watch. I know that your all's is too. So yeah. Yeah, well, that that's the reason this intrigues me, too. I think I've liked Spotify's recommendation engine and algorithm a little more than you have, I guess. I've been pretty happy with the discovery over there. But I do completely agree with you that, I mean, everybody who uses TikTok is in agreement that the algorithm and what it gives you is very, very good. It, it figures you out perfectly. And so... I would be very curious to see what would happen if I started using TikTok music. I mean, I think we all love the the thrill of discovering a new artist who we really love, especially in this age of um, high ticket prices. You know, Taylor Swift, Bruce Springsteen, whoever else sets, sets the bar, sets the prices so high. You go see a smaller audience and the tickets seem so comparatively cheaper. You're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm going to get the best seats possible because tickets yeah. are so cheap compared to Taylor Swift. So that's what I've enjoyed about discovering smaller artists. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will definitely try this out because 
I'm always looking for new music and I do trust that TikTok would do this right based on what we've seen from the main app so far. I agree. I mean, even as it stands now, I still get music recommendations from smaller musicians who are just putting their music up on TikTok. I already get that. And it's usually right on the money. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. think of a time that I've been served a piece of music or like somebody playing, you know, something instrumental that I haven't liked. So I don't know how, but TikTok has definitely uh, targeted my niche. <laughs> mm. Yeah, my, my issue, and I don't know if anyone else out there listening runs into this, but I feel like whenever I let Spotify, you know, um, like, let's just say, like, I finished listening to an album and then I let Spotify create a radio playlist based on the art, that artist's vibe, I just feel like it prioritizes showing me music that I already know and like. And I wish for me personally that it did um, like more of an effort. The algorithm did more of an effort as far as like serving up new stuff. Um, It's fair. They do have really good playlists, like really good curated curated playlists on Spotify, to be fair. Um, So if you're somebody that just gravitates towards those, I can see how that would be a great place to discover music on there but yeah but what i'm looking for i would just like appreciate more variety because it's like spotify i already know what i'm listening to like give me something new i agree with that especially when it comes to the daily mixes i bet i actually recommended those on the show at one point because mm-hmm. they basically give you six mixes every day with a different genre in each of them but i found the music the songs that they're picking to be very repetitive day-to-day, week-to-week. I'm like, there needs to be way more variety here. That said, there's other custom mixes that I think do offer more variety. I was just hoping for that from the daily mixes because that seems to be what they push the most on the platform Mm -hmm. in terms of the made-for-you stuff. Yeah. We're um, out of curiosity. um, Aside from Spotify or Apple Music, if you all use that, um, where do you go to discover new music, if at all? Because I think, you know, when we were growing up, it was MySpace was a great place to discover new bands or artists. And obviously, like, we also had, like, actual music videos on air. So you could, you know, go to VH1 or or MTV and get served new music, too. I guess just like with TV shows and movies and video games, if you see enough people talking about an artist in your social media feeds, you know, people you follow, in theory, you'll like them, too. I see a lot of people talking about Boy Genius. I love Boy Genius. I think I've seen enough people over the course of the year, last year or two, talk about them on social media that I've taken notice when I see them appear on Spotify. So I guess social media, but I don't really know if there's any other way. I guess IRL friend recommendations. What else is there? I was going to say for me, outside of Spotify, um, maybe some YouTube sometimes, I would say it's word of mouth. Honestly, if somebody whose music taste I respect recommends something to me, I'll probably check it out. How about you, Pam? I have a few ways. I I try to be pretty diligent about looking at the new release tab on Spotify, but my I have some issues with that too, namely that they've stopped featuring um, unsigned and indie artists on the new release tab on Spotify. Oh. That's that's been a few years in the making. So you're really only going to get major le- record releases on there. 
Um, also do word of mouth. If there's a TV show with like a really good soundtrack, um, I will like stalk that music supervisor and see if they're making other recommendations for artists that I am not familiar with. And I'll check those people out. And then also, um, I like poking through um, smaller publications like music publications to see what they're reviewing. So Stereo Gum is a favorite of mine for alternative um, artists and indie stuff. And I'll just see what they're reviewing. And if anything sounds interesting, I'll check it out because that's that's my big thing. Like, obviously, if it's a major record release, you're going to hear about it. But I also like want to give love to smaller artists and it's harder to do that it's harder to find those people unless they're popping off on tiktok well you mentioned people who did you say score movies uh no uh music supervisors music supervisors if, if you hear like anything with lyrics so there's like a composer somebody that does the composition or the score okay. and then there's a music supervisor and the music well, supervisor gonna... will do you know like the actual soundtrack that has anything from like you know like britney spears to adele right so what you when you said that that got me thinking movie soundtracks mm-hmm. I, like like companion soundtracks think about the twilight and the hunger games ones yeah those have been a great way to discover artists. Like they had mm-hmm. big name artists on those, but they had some smaller yeah. one artists and on them too. That is um, the work of, or at least the first Twilight movie was the work of Alexander Pastavas, who also was the music supervisor on VOC, which is kind of like the first big show on network television where people were like actively wanting to know what music was going to be played on that show so that they could go um, like find more stuff from that artist. Like that show is responsible for launching Death Cab for Cutie, for example. So she has a really good track record of breaking artists on music and television. Here's one we should all be paying attention to. JY said in our Discord, she's listening live, book fan mixes for the win. And these are playlists of songs that are inspired by a book, a film, or a TV series. Oh, that's made by very fans. cool. That is yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a great, great idea. And then when you're listening to these, you can think about the, the movie, show, whatever they're based on, and kind of just reflect and look for like the connections that the fan was trying to make. I really like that. Yeah. Idea. You, well, I know that she JY also mentioned like if if an author curated a book playlist. Mm. Um, back to your point about Twilight, Stephanie Meyer did that. Do you guys remember that? She had playlists for each of the oh, books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were a big deal. And they were like, she <laughs> say what you will about Stephanie Meyer and Twilight, but she had really good music taste. Like, I was impressed. We actually did fan mixes for uh, over on MuggleCast. We've done these Hogwarts house themed ones. I I did a Slytherin one and I've really and I really enjoyed creating it because I was just putting myself into like the Draco Malfoy mindset. And oh, just... that's really fun. I'm going to go listen to those. Yeah, you should. You should. They are. They are really good. I did the Ravenclaw. Uh, playlist. And to be honest with you, I didn't put as much thought into it as Andrew did. Andrew's playlist tells a story. <laughs> it's like a rock opera. Oh. Mine, mine is like we're twerking in the Ravenclaw common room, y'all. I love that. Pam, listen to mine and I'll I'll give you my backstory for it. Well, I'll do, I did that for Taylor Swift on here a few years ago. I did like a, a really extra That's like, right. love story playlist. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to seeing TikTok music hit our apps or app stores. And I guess we'll talk about it whenever it shows up here. Hopefully it'll be really good in terms of the algo. 
Coming up in After Dark, we teased it at the beginning, Mugglesuck Returns, and I'm titling this one Mugglesuck, The Aim Files, Andrew Tries to Ask for Compensation. And we're also going to tie that in with a new story that we wanted to talk about in terms of child social media stars being fairly compensated. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. Also through Apple Podcasts, if you're using the latter, just tap into the show and you can pledge uh, and get access to Mega Millennial. Whether it's through Patreon or Apple Podcasts, we do offer free trials as well as an annual subscription, which will help you save a few dollars every year, which is basically like paying up front for car insurance, but we are way more fun and way more gossipy. We also have this new executive producer tier where you can get inside access to two of our planning meetings every month. And you can actually listen to them live on Fridays, or you can listen to them on Patreon after the fact. We put them up right online. Don't forget, we got that Variety Show, too, coming up this week, a breaking news installment of the Variety Show, in which we'll react to as much of the first Republican debate as we can withstand. And you can listen to all of this bonus audio content in your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, thanks to that new official integration we spoke about a couple weeks ago. So thanks to everybody who supports us. Just a little reminder, too, we will be off next week, but we'll be back the week after that. Time for some recommendations. Uh, As I mentioned during our Hurricane Hillary discussion, I would like to recommend NOAA's National Hurricane Center. Um, NOAA is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They track um, atmospheric and weather conditions all over the world. Um, But you can specifically go to their National Hurricane Center to actively track hurricanes, but also storms that are just forming You can see them throughout the tropical storm, cyclone, depression process, um, and they will even give you um, their best guesses on trajectories and update them every hour on the hour, especially if something is breaking. So highly recommend this. Anytime we have a hurricane coming in, because being in in the Atlanta area, anytime a hurricane comes for the Carolinas or Florida or Alabama, we usually get hit pretty hard on on the back side of it. So I'm constantly refreshing uh, the NHC um, anytime we've got a storm coming in. So join Understandably me. Understandably so. Join yeah. me in this. Be paranoid and, and cautious with it, Laura. It's also just very interesting. Yeah. No, I, I, I can totally imagine. Um, I want to recommend VPNs. Getting back to my media server recommendation or not recommendation, but my thought that I might set up a a media server at home, meaning I can uh, download content and then stream it around the rest of my house. If you want to acquire that content, you need to do it safely so you won't get uh, thrown into prison. I'm getting in all kinds of trouble this week. I know, you're going to get us shut down. (laughs) There's many benefits to VPNs. It's not just pirating content. Um, But there's lots of options out there. Even Google has one. um, But I think it's tied into their Google One plan, which I actually pay for. You can just search that store for VPN. Uh, Laura, Pam, what VPNs do you use? I actually don't have one yet, but we're going to sign up for one soon. We're still vetting them. I also don't use one, but I keep hearing about, what is it, NordVPN? That's like mm-hmm. the one that you always hear that about. That is a big one. Yeah. Yeah, there's ExpressVPN too. I've tried different ones over the years. I mean, one of the other big benefits, and I'm dead serious when I say this, if you're joining a Wi-Fi network that doesn't have a lock on it, 
that means people can snoop on your internet traffic going through the air. So you really should have a VPN. Like we went to a baseball stadium last night. I got onto the free Phillies Wi-Fi. It was, there was no password or anything. Totally not even like a gateway wall. So I turned on my VPN. So yeah, you got to be careful with the uh, with your internet activity. So lock it down with a VPN. I wanted to recommend the show Never Say Never with Jeff Jenkins. Um, you should watch this before you cancel your Disney Plus or Hulu memberships. It's a travel show uh, produced by National Geographic. And I really like this show so much for many reasons. The host is really engaging, but um, he's also a plus size black man. And I just feel like there's very little representation for plus size bodies in travel, like not just international travel, but also he does some local traveling on his show, too. And um, it's really inspiring, especially as somebody that exists in a larger body to see somebody that is, you know, even larger than I am still out there doing stuff like climbing up mountains and uh, going whitewater rafting and stuff like that. Um, And he's really doing a lot of work in terms of, you know, showing people that your size doesn't have to limit you and you can still go out and like live your best life and do all this stuff no matter how large you are. So highly recommend that if you're looking for something fun to watch. Love that. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate that. You can also contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're a millennial show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and threads. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. After Dark will start in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.